Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Kennedy, and you tune in today because you're sick of trying every fad diet under the sun and training yourself into the ground without seeing any results. That's why I'm here, to share the most effective ways to eat and train for sustainable and real results. Hey guys, welcome back to this week's episode of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. Today I had the opportunity to sit down and have a chat with Adam Murphy, who is the head strength and conditioning coach of the Adelaide 36ers in the NBL. Uh, It was a very interesting interview. There was plenty of things I had the opportunity to ask him. Uh, We touched on things such as programming throughout the preseason compared to in-season, what the players' kind of day looks like on a game day, their pre-game and pre-training warm-up, all the way down to specificity between athletes and also just the general population with their training. So I think you're going to love today's episode, a little bit different than the last few, which is is great. So any feedback is welcome. Make sure you send me an email, danny at dannykennedyfitness.com if you like to the episode or if you have someone in mind that you'd like me to have a chat to on the show and as always make sure you stick around for this week's social media question of the week but for now let's get stuck into the interview all right adam uh, i want to start the podcast mate with just asking you what your philosophy on training is philosophy on training all right um i guess the main word that i could use for all of my training whether it's with um the 36 of boys or just athletes I've got as clients or even you know, the general mom and dad would be specificity. Um, it's one of the, the main training principles that you get taught as a you know, beginning PT or strength coach. But I think it's probably one of the most important ones that no matter what we do in a gym, it needs to relate back to what your client or your team or whoever you're coaching is doing back in the real world or on the court or on the field or wherever it's going to be. Uh, I think a lot of people make that mistake. They bring people into the gym, their clients or whatnot, and they just give them exercises that they enjoy, as in the, yep. the trainer enjoys, uh, or the, the trainer is good at, or what they like to give to the client, and they neglect the fact that it doesn't really relate enough back to what they need to do in their real life. So yeah, without a doubt, specificity is uh, my philosophy on training. Awesome. And I'm assuming you working with a professional team like the 36ers, are you then breaking that down again to specificity depending on what position that player actually plays in? So, like, are you programming a uh, different type of uh, exercise or even rep ranges and whatnot for guards compared to the centers, or, or are you kind of programming the whole team together? Uh, in the beginning of the preseason, it's very more, very much uh, individual. So I'll look at, um, yeah, guards and bigs um, and also look at strengths and weaknesses. So... Even uh, as you probably know from our team, our one through to our five, or in other terms, our point guard through to our centre, they're all very agile, fast, explosive sort of players. We don't really have a traditional big man. Uh, even Matthew Hodgson, who's our tallest player, our main centre, um, is still quite an agile guy for you know, seven foot tall. Um, so and then you come down to our point guard, our starting point guard in Shannon Shorter, who's still, well, I think he's six foot three, uh, is still extremely you know, strong and, and quite a big guy for that position. So he can go up and play against those bigger units in other teams. So yes, I do do um, specific programs based on positions, either guards or forwards, but I still mix and match a fair bit because we need to expect our, our guards to play against the big or our bigs to play against the guard at some point if we switch during a game. 
Awesome. And I'm assuming like in the past you've worked with general population as well. I don't know if you still do any any at the moment or whether you're just with athletes, but how would you, how do you, when you say specificity, um, obviously if you've got someone coming in off the street that just wants to build a bit of lean muscle, lose some body fat or, or whatnot, what are kind of the main parts of programming that you focus on with that client um, in their sessions if they don't have a sport or whatever that they're training for? Yep, uh, I do do some um, general population programs as well. Uh, and I guess to program for specificity for a non-athlete, I need to know more about what they do during a general day. I mean, are you a full-time house parent who you know, does the washing and dishes and everything around the house or are you a, a truckie or you know, anything in between, anything around um, whatever your occupation might be? Because you're not only going to find that they want to build some strength, but they're going to have imbalances. You know, yeah. even a, um, an office worker who sits at a desk for eight hours a day, the phone might be on the left-hand side and the keyboard might be on the right-hand side and they're going to use one side more than the other, which is going to create that imbalance somewhere. If they're always sitting down, so they're going to get tight hamstrings and tight hip flexors. They're going to get that forward head posture. So even though it's not performance specificity, it's specificity for that individual to help them, uh, I guess, perform better in their own life, in their own choices in their own life. Um, having said that, one of my coaches, uh, who I still keep in contact with a lot these days, he said to me, it doesn't matter how good your programming is, doesn't matter how good a program you design, it's shit if the client doesn't do it. So if your client comes in and says, I want to bulk up and put on mass, and you give them a full rehab-based program based on the findings you discovered during testing, they're not going to do it. So I do... Exactly. So I do design programs based on the client goals, which is you know smart. Um, but in amongst all those other exercises, like you know, the typical bench presses that most men like to do, or lunges, I will have all the the smaller nitty gritty detailed exercises to help improve um, and make the program more specific to the individual. Cool. Uh, now just going back to specifically now like the the program that you're doing for the 36ers um a trend that i've noticed a lot especially with afl clubs and looking at the the strength coaches from different clubs and how the programs are run it's it's really common to look at let's say um you know collingwood for example compared to essendon's programming and notice that the way that that strength coach actually programs their lifts is completely different like there'll be clubs that stay away from any kind of spine loaded exercises um, there'll be other clubs that predominantly base their programming around injury prevention and whatnot. With the players in the NBL throughout the season, are you specifically programming uh, their gym stuff for injury prevention, or are you still ma- trying to maintain power and strength? Like, what what do you kind of focus on throughout the season, and how does that differ specifically from the off season? Uh, off season or pre-season? Uh, pre-season, sorry, yeah. Pre-season. Um, I guess to answer that, that bit differently, off-season is very much um, a lot of building. So, you know, they're looking to put on some muscle mass. They're looking to increase a bit of power, mainly the muscle mass and strength side of things. During the pre-season, because I've only, really only got about eight to nine weeks with them and a lot of those weeks have uh, travel involved, which makes it hard to, to really find a decent gym to train out of, um, a lot of those are based on trying to just get some strength into the players for the first couple of weeks. Then we do a couple of weeks of hypertrophy. Then we do a, few, uh, a couple of probably about three or four weeks going into more sports-specific based movements. 
Yep. And at that point, we're ready at week seven, and it's time to start almost tapering off, ready for round one of the, the season. Um, so that's where, yeah, during the, the pre-season, it's very much on building um, and performance-focused, increasing their performance, um, just trying to get them as athletic as possible and as strong as possible for round one. Once the season started, depending on the, the training load, oh, sorry, the yeah, training load and game load, because sometimes when I play you know, two games over a weekend, um, it was only a five-day turnaround, which means I've got to adjust my side of it you know, drastically. It is very much maintenance, and I will use a lot of power exercises still. I don't do any more strength work just because it's too much of a, a physiological load and the, the DOMS recovery afterwards is just too long uh, yeah. for the players. Um, so not much strength work, very little hypertrophy, uh, definitely power work though. So I'll get, still get him in the gym doing um, cleans and a one-arm dumbbell snatch or um, jump squats, uh, box uh, jump squats with dumbbells and those sort of things just to, it may not improve their vertical, their explosiveness a lot, but it's not going to lose anything either, which is uh, the main focus for during the season. Uh, on top of that, I will give what we call prehab programs, so not rehab, but prehab, so yep. prevent injuries. Um, and we do that at least once or twice a week on the court as part of warm-ups. We'll do about 10 minutes of prehab. Um, and for the players who are playing high minutes, so mainly our starting five plus one or two more who are coming off the bench, uh, I'll give them a lighter session at the gym, which is probably more focused on uh, balance and stability of the joints, so especially the lower limbs, so your hips, knees, and ankles, yeah. and feet, um, just so they're, you know, they're not working too hard in a gym and overloading, getting too much load over the week, uh, but still getting a workout in and maintaining some stability and strength through the, the lower limbs and joints. Okay, cool. And typically, how many days um, in pre-season would you have the players lifting compared to during the season? I know you obviously said that it does depend on how many games they've got on the weekend or how long or short the turnaround is. But um, on an ideal week, let's just say they played a game on a Saturday, how many sessions a week would you have them doing in the gym compared to pre-season? Uh, pre-season, it's normally two to three, game, two to three gym sessions a week. Um, yep. Again, if travel comes into it, it, it makes it more difficult, but generally two to three a week. And then once the season starts, it comes down to one a week. Okay. As okay. well as prehab at the gym, at the, on the court, sorry. Yeah. And in the preseason with those two to three sessions, are, you, are they full body sessions or are you breaking it up into upper lower or push pull or how, how do you have that set up? Uh, it depends on the player. So I, I do talk to the players a fair bit and see what they like to do and depending on what their um, goal, like, so their goals are and what the coach's goals are for them. So someone like Majuk um, Deng, um, obviously not the biggest player we've got in comparison to someone like Mitch Creek. Yeah. Um, I would give Majuk a bit more of a, a typical hypertrophy bodybuilding sort of program just to see if I can get a bit more size on him. Yeah. Uh, this, this is pre-season. Yeah. Um, and then you've got someone like Mitch who's just got that, uh, I guess, almost a gifted, even though he's worked damn hard for it, um, physical size where I won't give him a lot of hypertrophy and he'll get that more full body uh, style program, just working on function of the body, uh, bigger lifts, more complex lifts for him, whereas yeah. Majuk's got the, more, the simpler lifts with a bit more weight, the hypertrophy protocols. Awesome. 
Now, I know you've spent a little bit of time, um, I'm not sure how much time, but you've spent some time overseas, um, I know at like the Summer League, and spending a bit of time around NBA clubs and stuff like that. How how different is their strength and conditioning programming, or is it any different compared to the NBL guys? Obviously, their season is ridiculous with the 82 games. Um, but let's say in the preseason, do you find that the, the programming is typically similar to the NBL guys? Uh, it is completely different and almost disturbingly different. Yeah. Um, so when I was over there in July, I normally head over in July for the summer league, as you said. And when I was over there last, I met up with the head SNC for uh, who was it? The Lakers, the Brooklyn Nets, um, Philadelphia Seventy Sixers, and the Pelicans, New Orleans Pelicans, yeah, and uh, and Milwaukee Bucks. Sorry, and they all said the same thing that. Especially the Brooklyn Nets guy, who was actually um, Dan Meehan, who was the head SNC for North Melbourne Footy Club. Yep, yep. Um, I was talking to him a lot, and he was fantastic, by the way. But one thing he said was the preseason work for the boys in the NBA is about two weeks long. So you can imagine getting a, a fresh player, either a rookie or um, you know someone from another team coming across a trade. And you got you've got two weeks to spend with them before round one starts. Yeah, you can't do a lot there. It's pretty much impossible to get a lot of gains in two weeks. Um, and the idea, so obviously, as you know, with the thirty sixes, I'm working with um, Josh Childress, who's an ex NBA player. Yeah, and just talking to him about it as well. The the idea of a strength coach in the NBA is still uh, how would I say it? It's not as respected I guess as here okay. in the NBA here in Australia yeah like often players will just say nah I'm not in the mood today or no nah, I want to lift this instead I want to do this way instead uh, or they just go see their own trainers at the same time instead of the the team S&C yeah, so right. it's, a, it's a very different environment a very different culture over there in the NBA when it comes to um, the performance guys the strength conditioning coaches the trainers uh, yeah very different yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Because especially when you look at a lot of the top college um, programs, like their emphasis on that strength and conditioning side of things and the performance coaching is quite big. Like when you look at some of the big colleges, how good their their um, S&C programs are, it's interesting yeah. to see that there's such little, I guess, respect for the, the S&C guys in the NBA. Like I said, during the season, it would be so hard to program any form of S&C work when they have so many games, so much travel, though. Exactly. When I was um, the Philadelphia 76ers guy, is named by the name of Todd Wright, and I was speaking to him about it, and I said, you know, what do you try and do with your guys over a season, especially during a season with the workload so heavy, sometimes they're playing four games a week. Uh, he says, my main job is to make sure the player gets back on the court, and that's it. Like, there's no performance gains, there's no... You know anything else to be achieved other than making sure his players walk on the court every single game, and that's all they do. That's that's their main job is to for injury prevention, basically. Injury prevention, yeah, yeah. Um, a question I wanted to ask you as well, um, while I've got you here, Adam, is about junior athletes. So let's say we've got a um, a junior player, you know, it could be football or basketball, but coming up through. Um, their junior program and they're now at the point where they want to start putting a bit of focus on some form of conditioning or sorry strength work um, building up a bit of foundations and whatnot what 
type of things do you get a junior athlete to focus on um, if you've got them fresh? Like they've never done any form of strength work before. Um, do you bring them up through a lot of body weight work or movement patterning type stuff before you uh, start adding in any form of load? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I guess if we look at a junior, they're probably, what, 10 to 12 years old, right? Yeah. So, yeah, that age, I mean, they're still, everything's still growing, everything's still building. You've got the, the epiphyseal plates still performing, it's still um, growing into epiphyseal lines. So those growth plates and the, the bones are still quite soft and um, vulnerable. So we really don't want to uh, stress them out and hurt them too much. So there, there would be really no axial loading for the body. Um, I might get them to hold a little bit of weight, but it would be fractional compared to what um, the, the boys would do in the sixes. And it's just really to get the, the feel of holding something. Um, sometimes I even just use like a, a medicine ball, which reenacts the, the basketball, or I'll even get them to bring their football in if they're, they're a football player, and they can yep. use that as a weight or as a means to move something around in the gym. But it's just... I guess the biggest thing is proprioception, getting them to learn to use their body and know where their body is in space, building coordination, building body awareness and, and limb awareness, um, and, uh, stability and balance through, through the hips and knees and ankles, which is so important to learn early on because it's going to make everything so much easier later on. Uh, I, guess, I guess that's pretty much my focus for a junior athlete is getting them to learn their bodies more. So when I do give them a bigger exercise by the time they're 16, 17 years old, to teach them that is, it's simple, it's really easy to do because they know how to move their body so well already. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, no, I like that, it's good, it's good. Uh, a couple more questions, man, before before we wrap it up. Firstly, uh, the first one, sorry, is I, I put a big emphasis um, on mobility and kind of, as you said before, prehab not only before game days for athletes, but before training in general, just before whether it's strength work, whether it's conditioning and whatnot, what would a typical kind of warm-up be um, before, whether it's a training session or game um, for the 36ers boys? Uh, so our warm-ups normally take around about, by the time the boys come out and start doing some self-myofascial release on the foam rollers, uh, they do a little bit of stretching for the facilitated muscle groups in the body. Um, by the time I start doing that and to the end of my warm-up on court, it's probably around about 20 minutes worth. Yep. Uh, some boys don't need to do too much of the SMR or the stretching, so that'll shorten that time a little bit. But they're all at least out there shooting around, getting the bodies, you know, the temperature up a little bit. But I guess for myself, when they start with me on court, it's about a 10 to 12-minute warm-up, and we'll start with some dynamic stretching, just getting the, the hips loose, um, the ankle joints, the knee joints, uh, full of synovial fluid again, getting a flush through, uh, making sure the body's starting to you know, warm up in temperature-wise. Then we'll go through into um, some light-level uh, movements, so getting some A-skips going, uh, a bit of lateral movement happening, uh, getting some low-level explosiveness happening, and then gradually building um, more and more towards the basketball-style movement and intensity. So... You can almost imagine every minute we're getting more and more intense, faster, more explosive, um, creating higher impacts for the joints as it goes on through the 10 minutes. The last, ten, the last minute is generally me getting them to do some sprints with some really sharp turns, uh, almost like a full 180 turn at the halfway line to come back, uh, okay. working on deceleration, 
um, just to prepare the you know the ACLs and all those muscles to protect the ACL um, from going. Um, so yeah, pretty much that. It's a it's a gradual progression from a really low level static stretch all the way to full on basketball movement explosiveness at the end. Perfect, perfect. Uh, and the other the other question, man, um, that I wanted to to ask you is, and a lot of people I reckon would be interested in this, especially junior athletes. What would a typical game day be like for the players and for you? Like, what control kind of do you have over what they do throughout the day? So let's say they've got a game at seven p.m. What would a kind of a full typical day look like for that player um, in the lead up to the game and then post game as well? Yep. So. First thing in the morning, um, we have shoot-around at 10 o'clock, and shoot-around for us is basically we all go to the court, now the stadium, and we just start putting up shots that are game-style shots. So one thing our head coach says is, or Joey Wright says, is he doesn't want people going on the court and stuffing around. He wants you to think that the stadium is full, that you've got a defensive player in front of you, and you're putting up shots um, that you're going to put up in the game tonight. So it's not the first time you're doing it in the game itself. Yeah. Uh, so 10 o'clock is shoot around. So before that, the players generally sleep to, I'm guessing, around... Uh, some might get up at around 7 o'clock. Some others will get up at around 9 o'clock, depending on the individual, what they like. Um, we get to the stadium at about 9.30. They start having a bit of a shoot around. Then coach comes out. We go through the shoot around, which is about 45 minutes to 50 minutes. Then we do video scouting after that, just to run through any plays of the opposition, uh, who the focus is, what the focus is on the individual. Yep. Uh, the players all leave and they go home, do whatever they got to do, hang out with the, the girlfriends, the wives, the kids, whatever else. Um, what they do in the day, I don't have a lot of control over. Some will ask me for recommendations, what they should do, uh, you know, what food they should eat, when they should eat it, how much water they should be drinking, uh, what they should or shouldn't eat and drink. Um, so I'll go through that with them. Others are pretty fluid and I know what they're doing. Like someone like um, Mitch Creek, again, I could use him as an example. Uh, very very switched on when it comes to his own body and his own performance. So he knows what to eat, when to eat it, how to eat it, um, and the drink and so on throughout the, the day. So I'm happy to leave those guys alone and do what they've got to do. Yeah. Uh, if it's a 7 o'clock tip-off, I'll have a sleep at some point in there as well. They'll have a bit of a rest up before the game starts. Uh, if it's a 7 o'clock tip-off, Normally, I start coming in at about quarter to six, six o'clock. Uh, someone like Matthew Hodgson will get in at about, uh, what would it be, 5.30 to start doing some muscle activation techniques, um, see the physio for a little bit, uh, massage therapist to get some release in the hips. Then they'll go outside on the court and shoot around. Again, all game style shots just to get the feel of the ball going through the net. Um, just get to getting used to the environment and starting to build as the, the crowd starts coming in. Then about 40 minutes before tip-off, we go in with coach. He gives us the, the pre-game speech, all the, the last-minute modifications and details for the scouting. Obviously, then go out with me for the main warm-up, and again, like we did before for um, yeah, pre-training, yeah. same sort of thing. Uh, the boys will keep going, play the game, after the game, we go back into the change rooms, have our static stretch for about 10 minutes. Um, then we have the stadium puts on food for us, which is quite generous of them. So we'll have a feed. Uh, I'll make sure they're all you know, getting their liquids in, um, the electrolytes and water and whatnot. Uh, we use ice bath and okay, hot yep. and cold between high, uh, ice bath and hot showers. 
Um, the physio, massage, therapist and myself are there to do um, some rub downs. Mainly it's the massage and the physio where I'm sort of still walking around, attending to players' other needs. And then they'll go home and sleep pretty much or go, depends on the win. If we win big, they might go and celebrate. Yeah. Uh, that's up to them how they do that. Otherwise, they might go for sleep instead. Yeah, cool. When you mentioned before about the contrast therapy, how many times, how, how many rounds of contrast therapy do you get them to do? Uh, it depends how many I can talk them into doing. Cause it's not exactly something that athletes <laughs> love to do. Yeah. Um, it's a bit of a neg- negotiation sometimes, or sometimes it's even an argument to make them get in there. Yeah. But normally, I'd say around about uh, what is the six minutes worth, so three rotations between hot, cold, hot, cold, hot, cold, uh, one yeah. minute in each in each station. Okay. Um, and I normally said I love a, a good recovery day would be on court with me doing some movement, uh, the hot and cold therapy station, and then a, a foam rolling station or massage. So they'll go through each station um, and do some of that work. Otherwise, might even go down the beach instead. Yep, yep, awesome. Perfect, man. Well, let's wrap things up. Um, lastly, I just wanted to ask you what what's kind of um, the future hold for you, mate? What's your, what's your plans moving forward? Are you you uh, got something that you're currently working towards in in regards to your coaching? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I've just started university this year uh, for the first time, so I'm doing uh, exercise science, sports science and uh, leading towards a master's in strength conditioning. Yep. And that's all with the goal to get into the NBA, um, I guess, in the next three to five years. So until then, I've got a lot of study to do and a lot of work to do with the NBA. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty busy at the moment. Unreal, man. Unreal. Well, wish you all the best, mate. And I'm sure you'll um, I'm sure you'll get there. It'd be, be good to follow along with your journey. Um, I'm going to put your, your social media links and stuff in the, uh, in the show notes below because I know you put out some good content around... Um, exercises and programming and whatnot as well for people to go and check out. But um, I just wanted to say thanks for joining us today on the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast, man. I'm sure the listeners have got a lot of value from um, from what you've had to say. Excellent. Thanks very much, Danny. I appreciate it. No problems, man. Well, I'll hopefully chat to you um, once, you, once you're in the NBA, mate, and you can have it, tell us a few stories about uh, some of the NBA guys. <laughs> Sounds like a good plan. Awesome, mate. All right. Thank you. Cheers. Hey. I'm back. Hope you guys enjoyed that interview. I know I got a lot out of it. It was very interesting. Um, Adam is an extremely knowledgeable guy, as I mentioned at the start of the podcast. I do apologize for kind of the average audio quality. I'm not too sure what happened there. When I do a interview with a guest, I record it on Skype. So sometimes the audio quality is good. Sometimes it's not as good, um, but I do my best to try and give you guys something that's at least listenable so you can get the, the valuable content out of it, which we got from Adam today. So a massive thank you to Adam again. And like I said, I look forward to kind of following his journey to the NBA. It'll be awesome once he eventually gets there and hopefully we can do another episode and kind of get a bit of a glimpse of what it's like to be the strength and conditioning coach of an NBA, an NBA team. But for now, let's get into this week's social media question of the week. Um, this is an interesting one and it does pair along with kind of today's topic I guess and today's guest and that question is something I get asked from athletes relatively often and um, and that's in regards to whether or not they should be lifting heavy throughout the season or whether they should go back to maintenance to make sure they don't get sore so you know just lifting lighter weight with higher reps 
uh, and not trying to lift as heavy because they don't want to be pulling up sore for games um, and for training and whatnot. But my philosophy on this is that you either use it or you lose it. So if you've built up strength and power in the off season, then once you get in the season, obviously your overall training volume needs to be a lot lower. So you don't get that DOMS, you don't get too much muscle breakdown um, and you're not sore for games and training. But I think you still need to continue lifting heavy. You need to maintain that strength and power. So that power to weight ratio um, throughout the season, that's what's going to help you stay explosive and stay injury free and maintain that power through your hips, through your glutes, through your upper body. So there's no need to completely change the way you train. I just think overall volume needs to go down a lot. You obviously need to manage little niggles and injuries along the way and just kind of listen to your body. But I think it's either, either you use it or you lose it. So in the season, continue lifting heavy, keep that strength work in there overall volume has to drop from your workouts and from your overall load um, for the week. But yes, you should be lifting heavy. Um, if you have any more specific questions to that, or if you'd like to go into a little bit more detail um, with different types of questions surrounding programming in in the season, uh, be sure to send me an email, danny at dannykennedyfitness.com. Uh, but that's the end of the episode for today, guys. If you could do me a big favor within the next 30 minutes, take a screenshot of this episode and post it to your social media, whether that is on Instagram, Snapchat, Instagram story, or post a link to your Facebook, or even just tell someone uh, that you see today about the podcast that you think could benefit from it. That would be amazing. Um, leave a review and give the podcast um, a rating, a five-star rating if you thought it's good and you've got some valuable content from either today's episode or any of the episodes in the past. I want to thank you so much for tuning in today, and I really look forward to chatting to you in next episode as well. Have a fantastic day, guys.